Hi, and welcome to our podcast called Asking Better Questions. My name is John Newsham. And I am Shane Chand. We're just two friends encouraging one another to seek God more. We want to ask the best questions that we can. That's not a goal, it's a journey. The purpose of the journey is to learn and grow in God and to know Him better. We'd also love to take you on that journey with us. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. We can't promise that we'll be able to answer them, but we will try to have a conversation about them. You can send your questions to askingbetterquestionspodcast at gmail.com or you can follow us on Instagram at askingbetterquestionspodcast. So Shane, have you got any uh, news? Yes, my wife and I, we have just had our first child. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, his name is Leroy Ezekiel Chand. And yeah, we are just proud parents and you know, he's just perfect. We just love him, falling in love with him every single day. And yeah, that's that has been a challenging time. Not really challenging in a sense, but it's just new to us being parents and enjoying every moment of it, enjoying every diaper change, enjoying the whole process. So it's been really good. Yes, I have to think a fair way back in my memory to talk about diaper changes and things like that. Yeah, wow. Do you guys have any plans for another kid? (laughs) Uh, No, I think we've decided that three is a good number. No, that's awesome. Okay, so our first segment that we like to do is called Random Scripture. This is where we flip the Bible to a random page and we read a few verses that catch our eye on that page. And we then have a discussion about that verse and let the discussion take on a life of its own. We just pray that God will guide it to a scripture that he wants us to talk about, and we try to follow his lead. I think it must be your turn to flip, Shane. Awesome. Let me just go into flipping my Bible. And I have flipped to Joshua chapter 11, verse 7. So Joshua and all his fighting men traveled to the water near Merom and attacked suddenly. And the Lord gave them victory over their enemies. The Israelites chased them as far as great, greater Sidon, and Misrephoth, Meir, and east was into a valley of Mizphah, until not one enemy warrior was left alive. Then Joshua crippled the horses and burned all the chariots as the Lord had instructed. I'm just going to stop it there. Yeah, okay. So what do you think that means, Shane? So looking at these verses, very random verses, um, just the thought that comes into my head is that, you know, when we go into battle, whatever type of battle it is that you're facing today, it just shows me that the Lord gave them victory over their enemies. And that's what it talks about, that not one was left alive. And when God fights our battles for us, He's going to make sure that all our enemies are defeated. And that's something that, you know, it's really impacting and assuring and uplifting in a way to me. Because in life, you know, many people fight many battles, like maybe you don't have enough finance, maybe you don't have great health, Maybe your mental health is an issue. Maybe you are having marriage troubles. I don't know what your battles are in life, but just reading through that, just like when God is with you, He's going to give you victory over everything that you're facing today. And I really strongly believe that this is what reading the scripture has really, you know, jumped up and captured uh, me with. So just that God is going to be victorious in every situation. As long as we learn to trust and rely on God, with everything we have got, he's going to give us the victory that we need in our lives today. Yeah. And so obviously, if you put this into the the context here, you've got the children of Israel have come into the promised land and they're in the process of conquering that land to take the territory that God 
had promised them uh, over hundreds of years that this promise had been sitting there. And at the moment that this happens, this particular battle, uh, even if we just go back one previous verse, there's obviously, they're outnumbered, they're outgunned, like everything is against them. They should not be able to win this battle. But God says, don't be afraid of them because by this time tomorrow, you'll have won this victory. I'll have handed them over to you. Uh, And right at the end of the verse 9 there that you've read, he hamstrung their horses and burned their chariot. It was, that was the thing that God promised them that they would do when they're looking at this great army. And so obviously, normally when we talk about prophecy, we're talking about, uh, you know, tens or hundreds or thousands of years. But this is God came and spoke to Joshua and said, tomorrow, this is what's going to happen. And the next day, he was actually able to do that, even though it was an impossible situation. And obviously, most of the time in our context, if we're talking about our journey with God, we're not talking about conquering countries. We're not talking about winning physical battles or going to war. Uh, Most of the time, as you mentioned, Shane, we're talking about things that are challenges in our life, that we've got struggles, we've got obstacles, or we might have people that are standing against us and and trying to stand uh, in opposition to the thing that God wants to do in our life. Yeah. And whatever it is, whether it's a small or a big problem, if God is sending us to do a certain task, he can make a way. And in my experience, my life, if I look at the things that God has spoken into and that God has called me to do, they've always seemed impossible. They've always seemed beyond my ability. They've always, well, they've always actually been beyond my ability. I shouldn't say they seemed beyond my ability. They were beyond me. And yet then God called me to go and do those things. And then I look back and I say, somehow I did it. Now, yeah. I say those words very carefully because I know that I could get quoted that way. The truth is that I know how I did it. It wasn't just randomly. It wasn't accidentally. But often it didn't come as a big, obvious miracle. Sometimes it just came as circumstances lined up. Sometimes it came as I just had the ability to do it, even though I knew looking forward that I didn't have that ability. Sometimes it was some miraculous thing that changed. But... Whatever it was that happened, as we go through that journey, we look back, it was impossible. And then God said to do it. And it didn't change from being impossible, but yet we did it. And I think I can look back over my life several times where I looked forward, knowing what God was calling me to, saying that is definitely impossible. And then I look back on it saying it happened. God's amazing. Yeah. And and that's just it. Like You read through all these stories in the Bible where there was a battle and there was God's people fighting. They always saw the army that they were fighting was much greater than them. Yeah. And that they had to trust God in that moment. All the way through the Bible, you see, it was impossible. And they really had to rely on God to say, it's going to be possible. So just like you, Pastor John, what you were saying, you know, you feel like it's the impossible task in front of you and God takes you through that. And it's the same for each one of us. The army we might see facing us right now it just might seem something that is really and truly impossible in your life right now something much bigger than you have ever come against and and as life goes on you find out that 10 years ago what your problems were look nothing right now to what your problems are right now yeah because god is doing a greater thing in your life and so there's a bigger enemy against you because god is taking you from glory to glory and the, the army the, that you're fighting against will always be greater. The the enemy will always be greater. And, and the battles that you're going to face is always going to be greater. But in that, we, we need to have that mindset that God is with us. He is much powerful. 
than anyone that is around us or anyone that is against us. He can give me that victory that I need today. And sometimes as human beings, you know, I've come into many times where I've failed to recognize that God is with me. I'll be, you know, thinking about all these problems I've got going in life. And then someone will come to me. Have you asked God about this? Have you went to God uh, for this? Like, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. And I could have, you know, not wasted all that time, you know, thinking about stuff, being down about stuff if I just took it to God. Because God fights my battle for uh, for me. So when I realized I could take everything to God, even when I forget, I just feel like there's, I feel so much better. There's security in that. There's freedom in that. And when you just, you know, offload things to God, there's something about that that helps you in your daily walk with God and to help you fight those battles in your life. So I don't know whatever you might be facing today. It could be a question to you. Have you actually spoken to God about it? Have you asked God what is going on in my life? Can you please help God? Can you come into my situation and change it? And, you know, sometimes it could be instant and sometimes it could take a while. But we can trust that God is there with us in every step of the way. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that we like to say in Christianity is in this sort of scenario, be careful at the end of all of this to give God the glory. And it's it's worth remembering, it's, like it's an important lesson, that this situation where we look forward and we go, this is impossible, and then we see God somehow miraculously do it in our situation. We've, we've got to the other side, we've conquered, we've achieved, whatever it is, to, to not then fall for the trap of going, I did that, or not fall yep. for the trap of thinking that it was somehow me that achieved it. No, this was God, and we're going to give him the glory, we're going to give him the gratitude. But also, I think the other warning that we, we tend to overlook a little bit is when you're standing on the other side before the battle, before the struggle, before the challenge, and you're looking at it thinking this is impossible, to ask the question, did God say to do it or not? Because if God said to go, if God said to do it, then the fact that it's impossible is not a problem. Mm. The fact that it's impossible could be the proof that you need that this was God. If God said it yep. and it looks impossible, we can count on the fact that God will do it. If you look through time and time again, God made promises. This is what's going to happen. This is the struggle you're going to come up against. And this is what I'm going to do at that moment. And then they go through and they come up against that struggle. They see it and they go, oh, we didn't know about this. It's like, well, you, if you just go back and look at the promise God gave you, he told you he was going to overcome this challenge. So the fact that he could foresee the challenge, surely that's enough to then trust the fact that he could take you through it. And so to look back on those things that God has brought you through and remember them helps you go through the next one, but also to choose God said to go and to trust him is more important than to be able to see the solution. And so I'm going to trust the fact that it was God. I'm going to lean on him. I'm going to trust that he'll bring me through and then I'll give him the glory afterwards. Awesome. So now we're going to go into our second segment, which is the main part of our podcast. Uh, so the question for today is, what is the big deal about tithing? Tithing basically in the Bible talks about giving 10% of your increase to God. Yeah, that's right. And So normally uh, the scriptures that we look at when we talk about tithing would come from the Mosaic Covenant, the law of Moses, the, the time between Moses and the nation of Israel coming out of Egypt and the time when Jesus was crucified. That's where you see the most talk about tithing. It does come up before that, but that's when it was instituted as a law. And so I think today we probably want to look at the legalistic description of tithing, 
what it actually means from a law point of view and how that fits. But I don't think we want to stay there. I think we want to look beyond that before we finish this discussion. So I think when I hear the wording of the question, I think it's probably come from uh, someone who would be a pastor, just the way it's worded. And so I actually, uh, it, that concept inspired me to look at the concept of tithing from two different perspectives. And so if we just take the, the normal approach that we have in a discussion about tithing, we're going to jump straight in at Malachi chapter 3. But Shane, if I could get you to read a scripture for me, uh, and if you want to just yep. start in Malachi chapter 1 and read verses 6 to 8, we might start a bit earlier in the book than what we normally would. Malachi chapter 1 verses 6 to 8 says, The Lord of heaven's army says to the priest, A, a son honors his father and a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? You have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifices? You defile them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. When you give blind animals a sacrifice, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to on to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of heaven army. So in this passage here, we're still talking about sacrifice. We're still talking about the gifts that have been brought, but we're talking about it from the priestly point of view. We're talking So in our context today, we'll be talking about this as if we were talking to the church leaders instead of to the members of the church. And, and this passage is basically saying that the way that the offerings are treated after they've been given is actually an incredibly foundational struggle between the priests and God. And so we have here that the priests are offering lame or crippled or blind animals, and they're not actually sacrificing the best. And if you read this whole passage, there's, there's quite a bit of a rebuke that God gives to the priesthood about the way they handle the offerings. And, you know, he's going to go through some language later on where he talks about purifying the temple, purifying the priesthood, purifying the whole process by which people give. And, and so we actually need to start there. And even though the tithe isn't mentioned in that passage, this is talking about when we receive, if people give the tithe to us, what do we do with it? And so I, I right now, I'm not in a pastoral role. And so I'm not receiving tithes from anyone or on behalf of anyone. Uh, you know, often that would happen in a church context. And that's where the tithe should go, that the tithe should be given into the local storehouse, which is the local church. So that's yep. all fine. But then the question is, what does the church do with that money? Are they handling it correctly? And the tithe was instituted for the running of the temple. The tithe was instituted so that the priests could actually earn a living, so that they would be uh, taken care of by the people who they were serving. And also the tithe was instituted for the upkeep of the temple to make sure that things that they needed to buy oil or flour or things like that to create all of the scenario to make the temple inhabitable by God required certain gifts to be coming in. And so the priests then were not allowed to have any other property or work other than what they did in the church. And so they had to rely on the generosity of the people for their income. It was actually a whole system created by God and that system was basically these people are set aside to serve between myself and the people. And so the people will bring offerings to give to them 
but it's representative of giving it to God rather than to the priests. And so the priests then, in this scenario, have done what a lot of people do when God gives them something, and that is they've misused it. And so then people are coming in with an offering and they're trying to negotiate, well, we can get more, we can earn more money if we sell them the lame and the blind animals and we can sacrifice them for them rather than uh, making people come with pure offerings and pure sacrifices and then we have to give up our best. And so they're then manipulating the system to try to increase what they get, to try to uh, create a scenario where God, in fact, then starts to be diminished in people's eyes. Because of what the priests are doing, which is unjust, people start to think less of God, and it's all to do with the offerings, and it's to do with the way tithes are received. So one thing I have noticed, you know, people are always hesitant to give to the church because either they have been hurt by the church of how they have might misuse the money or whatever the reasonings are, or maybe they're just not generous people at all. They don't understand the concept of tithing or whatever it is. I think the main thing when it comes to tithing is giving to God. And actually, you you can't just give to God without receiving from God. And that has been the most impactful thing in my life. It's why to this day, I give my tithes. And I feel bad if I'm behind on my tithes. And it is just something that has been invested into me since I was a very young kid because, you know, I've grown up in a pastor's house. So tithing was one of the things that was mentioned regularly in our household. Yeah. But it wasn't mentioned in like you should give and there was no explanations for it. What I had to go through was give and you will receive. And you're just not going to receive a smaller amount. God is going to give you a hundred times more than what you have given. And as a kid, that used to actually really excite me. It's about having that childlike faith about giving. And I believe most of the really generous people I've seen are children. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it's just something that I've seen that they don't mind giving because they know it doesn't belong to them. They don't understand because they don't own a house. They don't own a car. You know, their food is always provided for. So when they give, they're not thinking where did, where did it come from. When we start thinking about man, how I'm earning my money, how hard I have worked, it becomes harder to give because you have put in a lot of effort to get to where you are are at the moment. And so as a kid, I remember when my parents would give me pocket money because I didn't have to earn for it. I didn't have to do anything to get it. It was just given. It was just handed out. I had a choice to do whatever I want with it. So either I go and buy candies, lollies, whatever I want, it was mine to deal with. And when my parents introduced this concept of tithing, it was test score to see if you give, you're going to get much more. Yeah. So in my head, it's like, oh, if I give, you know, this much today and I'll tell my parents so that next time I get my pocket money, I'll get some more. Because I simply didn't know the concept of tithe. I just thought my parents will give me more if I give my tithes. But it wasn't the concept. So, but I actually got really excited about giving. And I used to give and I would give and I saw God walk in that. I, I used to get... um. Let's just say, I, I can't remember the exact amount. Let's say I used to get $5 and $1, I would come back and give my tithes. And I actually started to see God starting to provide much more by different people in my school. And they would come up to me and give me stuff that I didn't have to spend my money anymore. And so I just saw in a small way, in, in a way that God was starting to bless me much more than I expected than before. And so when I, there came a stage where I just, all my pocket money, I actually gave for my tithes. I gave 100%, not 
not just my 10%. I gave my uh, 100% at, at church. And because I, because I started to see when I started to give, God actually blessing me as a young kid. I started to give without asking questions and I started to give 100%. I was like, man, I gave 10% and a lot of things that have happened. What happens if I give 100%? And I can tell you since then, my life has been blessed. Now, there, there came a point when I got a job and it was really hard because, man, I, I was out on the farm and I worked really hard and I was, was dusty. It was all that. And now I have to give, I have earned this rightfully so. I've earned a lot of money. <laughs> now I have to give 10% to God. It became difficult because now I wasn't a child anymore where it was just handed out. I was actually an adult where I had to earn, do the hard work and earn every penny. And there was a question, but then it made me look back where I was as a child when I used to give 100%. And how God blessed me. So why would God uh, stop blessing me since I'm so hardworking now? He never stopped blessing me. Even when, you know, I gave what even was in mind was just handed out to me. Imagine how much more he would bless me if, I, if I've actually worked hard for it. And that concept again kept me going to give my tithes. And I saw God's blessing, you know, time after time after time. There's times when God told me, oh, that's... What's, what have you got in your bank balance? I would say, this is the amount I've got in my bank balance. God will say, give it all. I was like, you sure, God? It's like, yeah. And as soon as I give everything I have, God multiplies it. And I, I've seen that so many times in my life to say the tithing doesn't work. Now, I don't know. Let, let's go back to why you might be hurt, you know, in a way. Why, why not give tithing? And it's simply because we need to be able to trust God in what He says. That He is our giver. Everything belongs to Him. Everything in this world actually belongs to God. So if everything belongs to God, what do we own? What? And, and the, the, the mindset, that again, comes like, but I've worked really hard for all this. But God is telling you, trust me with a little bit. See what happens. Test me. See what happens. Yeah, so I think the challenge of I've worked really hard for this why should I give it up? That's one of the significant challenges that people face. The other one is the idea of the limited supply. And so, for example, uh, at Christmas time, my son ended up with a big bag of lollies. And he would come to me and say, can I have some lollies? And they were fairly small lollies or, you know, like smallish ones. And I'd say, yes, you can. And he'd say, how many can I have? And I'd say, you can have four, but you need to get me one. And so then he would go to the packet, he'd get five out of the packet, He'd eat four of them and he'd give me one. And there was no issue. He never once complained about all of these lollies that I was eating. Every time he got four, I got one. But yet, uh, later on, there was a particular type. We we went, uh, we did some online shopping and we got given the wrong product. And so we ended up with this bag of, uh, box of bags of lollies. And each small bag of lollies had five lollies in it. And so he would then open this packet of lollies that he was going to have for the day which were actually, you know, slightly smaller than the previous ones, but there was a limit to five in the packet. And so I would then say, can I please have one? And you could see him struggling with that concept because there's only five in here. Yeah. And if I give you one, then I'm only going to get four. Yeah. And so then he was actually, every time he was very tempted to say, no, you can't have one. Or <laughs> if you can, you don't get to choose what color it is. I'm going to give you the orange yeah. one that I don't like. And, yeah. and it was because there's a limited supply. And so when he saw this endless bag of lollies and I was asking for one and he got four, he thought that was fantastic. 
But when he had a bag of lollies that only had four, five in it, to give me one and him have four just felt like he was being restricted. But it's actually the exact same number. And so I think uh, often when we start to look at, you know, you mentioned as a child, you don't have to pay for a house. You don't have to pay for food. You don't have to pay for clothes. You don't have to pay for anything. The only thing you have to spend is what you want to spend. And so when you have money, it's an unending supply and you can do whatever you want. And so to give part of it away isn't a problem. But when you start having bills that come in and you start have responsibilities that come in, you start looking at the amount of money you've got and how many ways you have to divide it and then how much is left. And it looks like so little amount. And so the struggle becomes if there's a limited supply, how do I then, how can I be expected to give out of that when I've got such a small amount? And it's a mindset that comes that we actually think if if the supply comes from me, then I do have a limited supply. If it comes from my ability to work or my ability to, to go out and earn or whatever it is, then I have a limited supply. And from that, God's expecting something. But if I change my viewpoint and I say, actually, everything that I have is from God, that he's generously given it to me. Every good and perfect gift is from above. And so he's given me the strength to work. He's given me the intellect to have that particular job or or the strength to have that particular job, whatever it is. He's given me the ability to go and earn the money. So what's his supply like? Is his supply limited? No, his supply isn't limited. So the amount that he's given me at this stage might be limited, but the ability for him to give it to me is not limited. And so if I can trust him by actually giving back to him, if I can demonstrate trust by giving back to him, then I can say I can trust him that he's going to supply everything I need. Yeah. And so I'm not then looking at my limited supply, pulling out one lolly out of a packet of 10 to give back to him. I'm looking at an unlimited bag of supply that he gives me out of that, that I can take 10 and give one back to him. And it's a very different mindset. Uh, The other thing you mentioned, uh, which I found rather interesting, was the concept of when you had less, it was easier. When you had more you actually started to calculate and started to struggle with that a little bit more. And I can tell a story of a friend of mine who he uh, hadn't been brought up in a Christian home like we had. He'd been brought up in, in a very worldly environment. And then he'd, he'd given his heart to Jesus and he started attending church and he was learning all of that process of faith and growth. And he had understanding in a whole lot of different areas in scripture, but tithing was one area where he'd never really grasped it. And a visiting speaker came through and spoke about tithing and generosity. And he it something convicted him in his spirit. And he decided, I'm going to choose, even though I don't have enough. And every week he was struggling. Every week he would run out of food before he ran out of week. So he chose, if this is God, I'm going to step out in faith and try. But all I've got is $5. And so I'm going to give $5. And I'm going to work towards the idea of being out of tithe. And he immediately got a phone call that same afternoon, saving him a certain amount of money each month so he could then actually afford to tithe. And so it was almost like his first gift, which wasn't a tithe, unlocked the ability in his world for him to actually be out of tithe. And I watched in his environment as God did a miracle where his income then all of a sudden doubled and he got given a whole lot of money in back pay of money that he might or might not have been owed, but they decided, you know, in calculation, this is what they should give him. And so he suddenly had all of this wealth, which was twice what he had before, plus a bonus. Yeah. And I watched him as his mind started to tick over where his tithe had now doubled. And I watched him as his mind ticked over and calculate 
well, I know I can't afford the double tithe. I know I can't afford that higher amount. And the funny thing is that the 90% has now doubled. So he's effectively going to end up with 1.8 times what he originally started with, even if he keeps tithing. But in his mind, it's now I can't afford it. And I, I watched him stop and I watched poverty creep back into his life. And he kept that same level of income, but he went back to a place where food didn't last the week. And he went back to a place where, where there was no blessing in his life. He couldn't sustain uh, and move forward. And I watched it happen yeah. probably for about two years. And I tried to sow some seeds here and there. And I tried to you know nudge him, but I knew it was a question of faith. And it wasn't a question of just uh, me being able to challenge him the right way. But then all of a sudden, he decided, I've got to get back into tithing. And it was a two-year gap where I, I just wanted, in my carnal emotional self, I just wanted to slap him across the face and say, can't you see how much better off you are because you tithed? And yet you've gone back to being miserable and in poverty by choosing that you now can't afford to do it. Yeah. But it's not, a, it's not actually something that makes logical sense. You can't reason with someone to the point where tithing makes sense. You've sort of brought it back to this idea of talking about it practically because we can talk about our experience and how tithing has benefited or, uh, or has proven itself to be something worth doing. And we can talk about scripture that guides us towards it, but you can't actually create a logical argument that shows someone where the money's going to come from or how it's going to look. And if you go into it with that mindset, it actually doesn't have the same impact. If you start going as a contract, well, if I give this, then God has to do that, that you're trying to twist God's arm. You're trying to manipulate him. That's not how Christianity works. That's not how tithing works. Tithing, as you've you discovered, yes, it's exciting that God's going to bless me, but that means I get the opportunity for looking for ways that I can bless other people or that I can give into certain circumstances. Yeah. And so that generosity, the, the excitement of it stirs up a generosity rather than it becoming a contract that God has signed that you now have uh, something over him where he owes you something. Yeah, just like when God created this wall, he gave everything that we have and he made us. So the whole idea was he gave and then we come in and Jesus comes in and he gave his son for us. The whole idea of giving is all throughout the Bible. And I just think that's amazing that God is willing to keep giving and giving and giving and we don't feel like we should be the ones who should be giving <laughs> and it's it sometimes it's, it's definitely a big battle in us because and i believe like we can limit ourselves in our thinking and like you said about the big big bags of lolly or small bags of lolly it's all in our thinking yeah and and the example you gave of, of the friend is all about in the thinking even though he was getting more but at the same time felt like he now has to give more. It was still in his thinking. It was a battle. It's a big battle in, in giving. So you mentioned right back in the beginning with Adam and Eve that God came and he gave them not only the world, but also he put them in a garden. He gave them purpose. He gave them all sorts of things. He gave them everything that they could need, everything they could desire. Yes. And he gave them one thing that he said you can't have. Yeah. And they looked at that one thing and said, actually... We're willing to give everything else up. They didn't word it this way, but they said, we're willing to give everything up for that one thing. That is the most important thing here. And God's heart is to give. Yes. And then he places something in front of us and he says, this is something which is out of bounds. This is something that's not yours. And and he trusts or he, 
he entrusts that choice into our hands. Yes. And so for me, I, I look at that, even though it's not worded this way, I look at that as the same way as tithing. We don't know how many trees there were in the garden. We don't know how many different types of fruit. But in the middle of the garden, God placed a tree and he gave them everything they needed. And in the same way, he gives into our lives. And we don't see it necessarily that way. Adam and Eve didn't see the creation happen. They didn't see how God provided. They just happened to be in that garden. And so we have a job or we have other forms of income, whatever it is, that we have a certain amount of money coming in. And God says, part of that is mine. And maybe in a moment, we'll read in Malachi 3 where he talks about this. But he says, that part is mine and you can't have it. Yes. And we look at that. And and if we look at it with the mindset, you know, the way you're talking about the way we view things, if we look at that as a mindset of God is trying to take 10% of what's mine, then we're going to have a very negative view of that thing. And it'll increase our distrust of church. It'll increase our distrust of God. It'll increase our distrust of other Christians. But if we can actually see that everything that came in came from God, if we can have that mindset and that part of that is God saying, I'm going to give you everything you need and I'm also going to give you this one other thing that you're not allowed to touch. And then we see that that's our responsibility then to give it back to him. Then that changes our mindset incredibly about what that 10% represents. And so just to clarify, I don't think that uh, there's many churches which make tithing a rule. That are a law that you have to obey if you're going to come to our church. There are some, and if they do that, I'm not going to question that. But I know most of the churches that I've had interactions with, the 10% is something that's taught in the context of God's blessing in our life. It's taught in the context of honoring God and trusting God. Uh, But I haven't been in too many environments where I've been forced to tithe. My parents were very strict on it. Uh, You mentioned being in a pastor's house. My dad was a pastor. I remember the first time that we got pocket money. We were taught to tithe on it. And I remember finding a 10 cent piece just as a young kid. And I think I might've even been walking to church with my dad that day. And I found a 10 cent piece and he said, oh, that's fantastic. Isn't it? I said, yeah, that's great. He says, oh, just remember to tithe on that. This is back in the days when we actually did have one cent pieces. And I didn't have any one cent pieces. And I said that to my dad. I said, I don't have a one cent piece. He said, oh, you'll have to give the whole lot then, won't you? (laughs) And I remember at that moment being heartbroken because I had to give everything that I had. Now, 10 cents, uh, you know, back then you could buy a small bag of lollies if you wanted to. Yeah, like 10 cents was worth more back then, but it wasn't worth much. But I was a little kid. I didn't really understand value and things like that. But I just remember being a little bit heartbroken, but then being willing to give it. And I can't tell you what happened as a result of that. I don't know whether anything did or not. I'm not saying it didn't or I'm not saying it did. But I remember the lesson of that being that it was very important that tithing was so important that in my dad's mind, it would be better for me to miss out than for God. When I say that, dad wasn't wanting me to miss out. From dad's point of view, it would have been, it would be better for him to miss out than for God. But that lesson that translates to me is if I have to choose whether I'm going to go out, go without, or whether I'm going to take what's God's, I'm better off going without. And that sounds brutal that sounds cold that sounds callous but god's already given me enough there was a day 2000 years ago where he gave me his best yeah and his best was his son and his son came and died the death that i should have died to pay the debt that i should have paid and he did that not even knowing well not not even guaranteeing that i would then respond to that positively it was on the hope that i would respond positively to that gift And he's done that for every one of us. 
that for every one of us, he's actually given the greatest gift, the great, the most valuable thing that we could ever have or know about. He gave that to me. So 10 cents is not a big deal. And I know that he's going to look after me. I know that he's going to provide for me. I know, and that trust is based on now 41 years of evidence. I've been in situations yeah. where I was in desperate need and God came through. God provided. God did a miracle. I've been in situations where for you know maybe a seven-year block of my life where I just did not have enough. And yet every week, somehow, we managed to pay for food. I didn't have enough money to pay for food with the other things that I had to pay for, but every week, somehow, we were able to afford food. I had kids growing up. My kids were growing up in that environment, and they never once went without food because God somehow provided, even though I was in a long-term situation where I didn't have enough to pay for food. Yet God yep. continued to provide. And I've got years and years of evidence where there was miracles of things where I didn't, I wasn't even in need, but God chose to bless me. There's other things where I was in desperate need and it seemed like it was too late. And then God came through and provided it and it was perfect timing. And I can see it time and time and time again in my life. And so for me, I can trust that if I'm honoring God, if I'm serving him, if I'm following him, I know that he is going to provide for me either by a steady income through a job or through miraculous means or some other provision, if I'm committed to following God with my whole heart and doing what he requires of me, there will be a way that he provides. Yeah. So let's have a look at this uh, verse in Malachi chapter 3, verse, uh, verses 6 to 10. It says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O son of Jacob. Yet from the day of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinance and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way we have robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in the house and try me now in this says the lord of hosts if i will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will be not be room enough to receive it so that's why uh, one of my favorite scriptures to go to when we uh, talk about tithing it, it just goes on to say you know how the people are questioning how have we robbed god and he says uh, in tithes and offerings and he says for them to trust him and to try him by giving their tithes and offerings and see how much blessing he's going to pour out. There's just a amazing principle of tithing and, and it, it's one of those verses that commonly gets used as well. Uh, I have actually seen the evidence of that in my life, like Pastor John, you mentioned. Until today, I have seen God you know, give so much that I don't have room enough to store it. Even food-wise, there was a time, like same as you, Pastor John, mentioned i would be flipping up you know all my um cushion covers everywhere in the house all the cupboards trying to find coins so i can go and afford to buy bread yeah and i, I just remember those times and i was still giving but no I, I i remember god's promise that he he will give me so much that i won't have room enough um to store it and i kept a hold of that it wasn't just with food it was with my clothes uh, with with everything that I've got, I was saying to God, "This is a promise that you have given me. Show me." And and right now I can guarantee you, uh, we have a big closet, 
um, that we have two rooms in our house, uh, two really long closets, and they're just filled with clothes. Our pantry, it's, it's a big pantry, it's not a small pantry, and I'm looking there, we have so much food that is overflowing that every week I'm actually throwing out bags and bags of food that we never go through. And the funny thing is, it's not like we're overbuying food. It's just people keep coming and giving food and, and just things that are just stored up so much, just God's blessing so much that it, that, that scripture I can see has become very true in my life because I've actually hold on to that promise of God to test him and see that you you will not have room enough to store what I, I'm going to give you. And it's just been amazing to just walk in that and, and to just see evidence of that in my life. And will a man rob God? That's the hard-hitting point. If you're not giving your tithes and offerings, you're robbing God. And that's the that's it. You're robbing God. Very hard-hitting. But this is the scriptures. This is the Bible we're talking about. It comes back to the same thing. If God has given you all and He has required you to give 10%, if you don't give Him that, then you're robbing Him. And you will see there's no blessing in your life. There's no favor from God. It just all feels like, why is everything going downhill? You can see some evidence of God in your life, but you're constantly questioning your walk with God. Why am I struggling? Why Why this? Why that? Um, why isn't you know my family's health even going well? I've seen that in people's life where they, ha- they have ha- had health problems and they, they don't know what's going on and, and they have tried everything. They have got, you know, lots of pastors and, and people to come in and pray, do this and that. They attend every service, they attend Bible study, they attend prayer meeting. And the issue was not giving their tithes. And you can save God, but also tithing becomes a responsibility to God. And it could be a big hindrance, you know, your relationship with God if you are not tithing, if you are not giving what belongs to God, back to him. So the good news following up from that uh, is yeah. now that we've lost all of our listeners, we can say whatever we want. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as you mentioned, that obviously seems very hard-eating. And it, again, it depends on your perspective. These are a group of people who have turned their back on God as a nation, as the priesthood, and also as the, the members of the nation. They've turned their back on God, and God is saying, come back to me, repent. Turn turn your lives, focus towards me. And then their question is, how do we do that? What's the first step? And the first step, according to Malachi, in the, or according to God through Malachi in this passage, is to return me to tithes and offerings. Now, I don't know that that's necessarily a word for everyone at all times, but I've seen people who have seen that and started there. And you can actually see different areas of their life open up and unlock. And not just in the finances. And I think... It is a lot beyond the financial that we we talk. Um, But also, the whole concept of robbing God, I think, I I just want to step back a little bit from that one and just talk about the challenge that we have with commandments. And so, we we have in the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, uh, tithing uh, is found in the book of Leviticus, and that's in chapter 27, you, you find the first reference to that being a law. That's not actually in the Ten Commandments itself. But if we look through the Ten Commandments at the moment, you know, some of them are obvious ones that we all agree on all around the world. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not steal. Those sorts of things are just considered to be acceptable everywhere. But if we just look at thou shalt not steal, and we often think if people follow the Ten Commandments, that means they're reflecting the character of God. But God, his character is generosity. If I'm not stealing, if I just choose to no longer steal from people... That doesn't actually make me a generous person. 
that makes me a normal, okay person. But God's heart, God's character is one of generosity. And so there actually has to be some point in my life where I step beyond just not stealing from people to actually starting to reflect God's character of generosity to the point where I give, where I give of my substance towards other people. And you can't actually put a law on that amount to say, how much does someone have to give to be generous? You, you can't, certainly it can't be a set amount because there's poor people who would never be able to attain it. But also, even as percentage like the tithe is, uh, to, to actually say that's the percentage, if you give that, you're generous, then people will give that so that they can have the title of being generous without actually having a generous heart. So as soon as you put a law on it, it's no longer generosity. And I think that's the, the challenge that we have is that we look at, well, I'm obeying these commandments, but, I'm, but it doesn't mean I'm reflecting God's character. And so with tithing, there's a law that's been put in place and there's lots of reasons for the law. You know, it was to support the, the Levitical tribe and the, the priesthood and the temple and all of that, which we've already mentioned. Um, but also uh, the tithe was used to drive uh, stinginess and things like that out of our heart. We see that in scripture earlier on. But beyond that, tithing went beyond just the 10% that went into the temple. There was also uh, other tithes that they had to give. I think they ended up having to give 30% by the time you work out the different tithes that were uh, required of them in the Old Testament. But even if they did all of that, there was also other things they were expected to give. So for example, if they were a landowner and they had a harvest come in, they weren't allowed a harvest right to the edge of their properties. They had to leave that there for people who would come along and glean that for themselves. People that didn't own property and didn't have a job could come in and collect that grain for themselves so that they had something to eat. And so there was almost like a uh, economic package that was put in place for people who had no means of supporting themselves that they could actually go and and in that sense take it from the rich people who had deliberately left it there for them and so there was this overwhelming system that was set up so that whoever you were whatever was going on there was a way that you were provided for and and so that system goes beyond just whether or not i'm willing to give 10 percent back to god it actually goes to the heart of am i reflecting the idea that I've got something and therefore I should I am responsible in God's character to provide for other people. So you can argue if you want to against tithing and you could say, well it's only under the Mosaic law that it becomes a rule and before that, you know, we, we see Abraham gave to Melchizedek a tithe uh, and all of that. And so before Moses, it wasn't a rule, but then it became a rule under Moses and then it's not talked about much in the New Testament. You, you could try to put that argument together if you want to. But one thing you can't get past biblically is that those that have enough should set some aside for those that don't. And so that's one principle that goes all the way through scripture. If you have enough, you need to find a way to set something aside for other people who don't have enough. Now, you know, in our society, I know that what we describe as enough is very different to what they say is enough in other cultures. When we talk about certain amounts of money or certain concepts and you go to another country and you try to translate that they don't understand what we're talking about because the numbers don't line up the the levels of wealth don't line up and it doesn't actually equal across the page and so we find ourselves in one of the wealthier nations where we actually even though in our journeys we've both gone through times where even affording food was a struggle we're both living in situations where we would be considered to be the wealthy. 
not only in our current generation, but throughout history, we would be considered to be in the wealthy groups because of the way that the world is, is changing. We have things in our life, in everyday life, that people have never had access to before. Yeah. And, and so we fit into the category of those who have enough. And so for us to say, well, that 10%, you know, that's mine and, you know, the church can't expect me to give that. Actually, God expects us to find a way to be generous and to reflect God's character is to be generous. God, you mentioned, he, you know, we both mentioned he gave his son, but also the way that he gave, he gave the first, he gave the best and he gives it because he loves us. And he gives it to people who have so much less than him. He just gives. He's just generous. And so that's one principle that goes all the way throughout Scripture. And the other thing is that whatever we get, we give the first and the best back to God. And you can find that right back uh, with Cain and Abel and why Cain and Abel ended up getting into a dispute was because one of them brought the, the offering that was the first and the best and the other one brought what he wanted to bring when he wanted to bring it. Yeah. And God says, I will honor the one that brought the first and the best, and I won't honor the one that brought whatever he felt like. Yeah. And so that idea, Jesus is the first and the best, and God gave us him. And so whatever it is that we're talking about, we need to be putting into principle the fact that God wants our first and our best. And anything less than that, it says, you know, that other passage that we've read in Malachi, you wouldn't bring it to the governor of your own land. They wouldn't accept it. If you brought a gift that was less than or broken or damaged, they wouldn't accept it. And yet we try to do that with God who he doesn't need anything from us. He doesn't need anything of my wealth. He doesn't need anything of my property. He doesn't need anything of me at all. And yet he is the ruler of all of the universe. And I claim that he's the Lord of my life. Yeah. Why would I try to skimp out and give him less than what he deserves? Why would I give him less than my best? Why would I give him less than all I have? And so throughout scripture, and we see in the story of Abraham and Melchizedek, the first mention of the tithe in scripture, is that uh, he gave a tithe to Melchizedek of all the spoils, but then he actually gave away everything else as well. And we see that throughout the scripture. We see in the New Testament that the in the new church that had been birthed, that all of the people came and gave everything they had and they laid it at the apostles' feet and the apostles distribute it as needed. And that concept of giving everything, you actually see that throughout every covenant that you'll find in the Bible. There's someone who's giving extremely generously. And so I don't actually want to limit the discussion to tithing, although obviously that's the thing that's come up. And there is a big deal about tithing. Tithing will test your faith in every way. Yeah. But I don't want to limit it to tithing and say, well, this is about whether or not someone reflects the character of God by giving 10%. No, giving 10% doesn't reflect the character of God. Giving 10% respects and honors the character of God. But giving more yeah. than that reflects. Giving everything reflects. Giving to those in need reflects God's character. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, as as you know, this tithing is a big topic and... I don't think we have actually discussed all the points we had we wanted to discuss, but we'll leave it for another day. And thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to Asking Better Questions. If you have your questions, you can submit it on Asking Better Questions podcast at gmail.com or head to our Instagram page, Asking Better Questions podcast, and you'll find us there. If you want to have a chat, if you have a question, please do. Thank you for listening. Talk to you next time.